Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm Ross Morasso with my guest today, Ingrid Bocci, out of Cortland Manor in New York. And she has an interesting profession. She is a practitioner, a medical intuitive, and also a practitioner of cranial sacral therapy, which is going to be one of the focuses of our conversation today. There's a mouthful of cranial sacral therapy, and this has been around for many years and used at many hospitals and medical providers, as well as alternative therapy practitioners, certainly around the United States and probably moving its way through the world, but I will not explain all that to you. What I can tell you is that this is very fascinating. Ingrid, welcome to the show. Hi, Ross. Nice to have be, nice to be back with you. So, uh, for everyone tuning in for the first time, explain what this cranial sacral therapy <laughs> is. Yeah, uh, cranial sacral therapy is a system of light touch uh, body work. Um, it's both anatomically grounded and uh, it also uses a lot of energy work. So, it developed out of osteopathy. It's very light touch and it's a very a powerful technique both for diagnosing and for treating a lot of problems, especially muscular and uh, neurological problems, things like headaches, tinnitus, back pain, leg pain, you know, shoulder pain, and so on. So how does, you know, by the word cranial, I assume, you know, of our head, like a cranium, is that the right? Right. Okay. Craniosacrum, and sacrum is the, the tail, cranium and sacral. So it's it's called craniosacral because um, it treats the it treats the whole spine and everything that's connected to it. So it has the ability then to well outside of our head to you can use this therapy to treat all sorts of things on the body. Yeah, so you know um, I actually got into craniosacral therapy, as, as I think you know, I was um, uh, very sick with a connective tissue disease that people told me was incurable and so on and so forth, and I followed a lot of paths and eventually came to craniosacral therapy, and what amazed me was, first of all, it's very light touch, uh, and it was ve- and profoundly effective, and so that, that uh, fascinated me. Um, that you could touch the body with such light touch and uh, reach deep into it. So it's kind of, it's not a manual therapy. It's a way of, you know, what I would call dialoguing with the body, of learning to feel through your hands what the tissues are like in the body, and then basically engaging them with very light pressure to, um, re, you know, readjust themselves and to improve themselves, kind of with the idea that, you know, the body has, as, as we all know, actually, but when you think about common sense, the body has incredible healing capacity. So, you know, you get a cut, you get an injury, and you heal, you know. Uh, even though it might take time, you heal. So it's, it's got a self-directing healing mechanism. And, you know, one way of thinking about craniosacral therapy is that when the practitioner puts their hands on the person's body, um, and they learn how to, how to feel deep into the tissues, and basically to engage energetically and with intention with the tissues of the person's body wherever they feel there's a problem and to invite them to, um, to rebalance and to find greater flow. It's, it's just very powerful and very light. Well, so let me ask you, you said you had done this for yourself first. So what, 
what, what was wrong with you? Like, right? Like, how did your journey get you to cranial sacral therapy to the point that you actually said, "I'm going to start dedicating, you know, a chunk of my life to this for people." So, so you know, as as I've said before in in a prior session, you know, I was very sick with basically I had pain all over, all over. Okay, and the doctors told me it was incurable, and and my first step, you know, I, I'm. I, I followed what would pe- people would say would be an intelligent process. Like, first I changed my nutrition. That helped maybe a tiny little bit. Then I uh, got into meditation, which is basically self-calming. And meditation is one way, when you practice it correctly, is one way of releasing a lot of tension from the body and also of making you more self-aware of how you may unconsciously be holding tension in the body. So I worked a lot with that, and I've taught meditation for 35 years now, and then I got involved in something called the Alexander Technique, which I also teach, which is another way of using very light touch to help people to repattern their their musculature, to to move more effortlessly. It's it's used both both for chronic pain very successfully, and also people like actors and musicians use it a lot in order to find more flow in their bodies. And then from there... Um, uh, I got into, I also got into craniosacral therapy. It helped me specifically initially with a jaw uh, problem that I had, um, and it released it completely in one session. And then, you know, and then I just got so fascinated with how, with the whole issue of how can you use touch or the fact that you can use touch to know a great deal about the body and then to treat it in a way which is completely non-invasive and transformative. So, you know, um, if if I can just segue from that into talking a little bit about one of the things that's really useful uh, in craniosacral therapy is as a diagnostic technique for chronic pain Mm. because because, um, people often have chronic pain. And as, you know, there was a famous uh, doctor named John Sarno who wrote a whole bunch of books on back pain. And one of the things that he discovered is that if you take x-rays and MRIs, they don't necessarily tell you what's wrong because somebody can have a terrible-looking ex- terrible x-ray or MRI and have no pain, and somebody else can have a great-looking uh, x-ray or MRIs and have terrible pain. So that's kind of telling you the limits of, um, of what uh, contemporary medical procedures can do. But with, with um, hands-on therapy like this, you can feel right away where there are restrictions or imbalances in the body. So it's, it's very useful in that sense. And it's also um, useful insofar as, you know, the body, especially your muscles and your nerves, they're all part of a whole system. If you have a problem in your uh, low back, let's say, it could be coming from your neck or it could be coming from your shoulder, from an imbalance there or a tension there or a torsion there. But when you go to a typical uh, doctor, you say you have low back pain. Well, they look at your low back. You say you have knee pain. Well, they look at your knee. But the problem could be coming from someplace else. And so that's another way that, you know, if you get, if you work with a skilled or a qualified craniosacral therapist, they can tell you pretty quickly where the initial problem is. And it may be some, like for me, uh, I had a lot of low back pain, but really I needed to work with releasing the tension in my neck. You know, the neck is the other end of a chain, which ends at the bottom of your sacrum, you know. So any tension in that chain will affect different parts of it. And you might 
have a pain, low back pain, but it might be coming from what you're doing with your neck. So craniosacral therapy is very effective uh, that way in terms of both diagnosing and then, and then treating. You know what I find fascinating about what you're saying is, you know, you think of massage and deep tissue massage, people getting put into traction and all of this sort of stretching. And I've been to physical therapy at various times in my life, and they're tugging on your arms and legs and all this stuff, and these movements and things that are happening uh, seem pronounced, right? Like obvious. And so you're saying, though, that just from this light touch, like you get all you need to know and not only learn it, but then also using the same technique of this light touch can profoundly communicate with the body. Yeah. That's, that's true. So if you want to think, and it, it was amazing to me when I first found that, and, and the developer of osteopathy, when he, uh, the developer of craniosacral therapy, uh, when he first saw that, he was, he, he was, uh, he, he recorded his amazement that, you know, how can such light touch affect so much? But if you think about, you know, you could think about an analogy, for example, in contemporary medicine, where now we use LASIK surgery a lot, where in the old days, we used to, you know, cut open the chest or cut open a leg and, you know, do something profoundly invasive, where now uh, with laser technology, they can do, laser technology, they can do um, uh, just as much, but much less invasively. So, uh, you know, it, it, this is not a form of technology. It's a form of hands-on work. But what it derives from is the ability, your body has a lot of intelligence. So if you develop your ability to feel what's going on in your own body and then in somebody else's body at deeper levels than what most people do, then you can uh, begin to influence that in somebody else through very, very subtle touch. You can, you know, you can, like, the muscles were made to move and the tissues were made to move. So you can find a place where there's a restriction and, and basically coax with your hands that, let's say, remind remind those tissues that they know how to move, and all of a sudden they'll go, oh, yeah, I know how to do this. It's like, you know, if you were, if you were seven years old and you learned how to ride a bicycle, and then you didn't ride a bicycle until you were 30, and somebody said, let's go biking, and you say, well, I can't remember how to do that. You know, and they say, sure you can. You, 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 you've done it before, and you get on the bike, and you find out, oh, yeah, I can do that. So... It's working with the tissues is somewhat similar. It's it's like refinding uh, homeostasis. You know, I'm reminded of another therapy that has been out here in the world. <clears throat> this is tangentially related, but inside of what the body can do. PRP, platelet-rich plasma replacement therapy. And so that's a thing where they pull the blood out of you and then spin it and get the plasma. And then all they do is inject your own plasma back into your body. And now people are using it to grow their hair back on their heads. They're using it in sports to, like, help people recover from, like, surgeries and injuries quicker. Yeah. Except it's not like it's not medicine, right? And so it's, it's that way is just a thing they're doing, which is triggering some immune and stem cell response or whatever it is that they're learning about this stuff to make the body do stuff. So getting back now to cranial sacral therapy – even that, which is just a simple shot of your own stuff, which seems pretty non-invasive for the results, cranial sacral therapy now can allow, through your hands, 
Ingrid and people who do this, uh, your practitioners like you, can, in essence, trigger this conversation. Is that really like what it is between like, is, you and the it body? It is a conversation. So thank you for saying that. There's some ways in which, uh, um, you know, some ways in which uh, craniosacral therapy bears a resemblance on a certain level, a very limited, but on a certain level, to hypnosis. And what I mean by mm. that is, you know, when a hypnotherapist uh, basically you know, puts you under, they're, they're talking to your subconscious, and then they start asking, and they say, you know, okay, we're going to make a deal that if, if you want to say yes to this question, your, your index finger is going to go up, and if you want to say no, your middle finger is going to go up, or something like that. And then the person on the table presumably doesn't know anything of what's going on, but you're actually activating the subconscious of the person. So when when... So getting back to craniosacral therapy, what if, you, if, you're, if you've developed these skills, because not all craniosacral therapists do this, but it's a very powerful skill that's part of craniosacral therapy, you can essentially, you are dialoguing with the tissues of the body. And you're saying, you know, you're basically saying, sometimes it's like saying, uh, can, can you, do you think, or inviting release? Do you think you can release this? And that's something that you do, with your hands, but it's also something that you do with your intention, okay? You know, it's, it's rather like, I like the image, I, I play an instrument, I play the guitar, and I, when I was a child, I played the cello, and I played in a lot of ensemble groups, and it's rather like, um, uh, you know, playing, playing with a group of other players where you're trying to blend and meld, and the more you can blend and meld, the better each performer performs because you're really listening to each other and responding to each other. And craniosacral therapy has that quality. You're fully engaged with being present to the other person's body and fully engaged with inviting release, inviting expansion, basically inviting flow. You know, the body's just a, a system of rivers. The digestive tract is a river. The nervous system is a river. The um, circulatory system is a river. And, uh, um, you know, the urinary tract system is a river. There, it's all a bunch of rivers. Even the fascial system is basically a system of rivers. And when there's a problem, those rivers, there's stagnation or there's restriction. There are log jams that build up in those rivers. And your job as a craniosacral therapist is to find where there are log jams, where there's stagnant areas, where there are restrictions, and to coax the river back into flow. For those of you who didn't catch us at the top of the show, my guest is Ingrid Bocci. You can find her at IngridBocci.com, last name spelled B-A-C-C-I, IngridBocci.com. She is a medical intuitive and a practitioner of cranial sacral therapy, which is what we're talking about. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to continue this conversation about how a cranial sacral therapist is conversing with your body. Stay with us. Hello, this is Ingrid Bachi, body-centered therapist and intuitive. If you'd like a session via Zoom or in person, you can reach me through IngridBachi.com, my website. That's I-N-G-R-I-D-B-A-C-C-I.com, IngridBachi.com, or via email, Ingrid at IngridBachi.com, or by phone, 914-293-0898. Blessings. 
over 358 million trillion gallons of water on Earth. But not all water is created equal. Only one billionth of one percent is filtered naturally beneath the Earth with a distinct balance of minerals and emerges crisp and refreshing enough to be called Poland Spring. Poland Spring 100% Natural Spring Water. Born better. Are you looking for even more of the podcasts and hosts that you love? The Podcast Business News Network is proud to announce that you now have even more ways to listen live. Check out the MyTuner Radio, online radio box, and simple radio apps on iOS and Android, or find us online. Search for Business News Network on MyTuner-Radio.com, or search Podcast Business News Network on Streama.com and OnlineRadioBox.com slash US. Take your podcasts on the go, and don't miss a minute of the action. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. All right, we are back. I'm Ross Morasso with my guest, Ingrid Bocci, a medical intuitive and practitioner of the cranial sacral therapy, which is used by practitioners all over the world, including some big hospitals and everything else, and it's been around for, for decades. And before the break, we were chatting about how a cranial sacral therapist is creating a dialogue and communicating with the body to not only diagnose, but also treat chronic pain and various other ailments that one might have. So, Ingrid, let me ask you. You had to train to do cranial sacral therapy, right? Of course. Did you have, and I'm just curious about this, like an aha moment as you are now doing, for lack of a better term, like your understudy work, right, and you're learning how to do this, did you remember, like, the first time that you could tell, I'm talking to a body, like you actually started to realize that you were doing it? Oh, um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that I remember a specific first time, but I do, I do know that I was um, very quickly able to dialogue with the body. Let me, let me tell you, uh, th- there's two ways to dialogue, if I can, you know, schematize it. One is through your hands. In other words, you're using your hands and you're coaxing tissue change, and you're, you're bringing your intention into that. And, you know, you bring basically all of you. It's not like you're sitting there just thinking about something else and just using your hands. Uh-uh. You're bringing 100% of all of you into this relationship with somebody else's body. And that's important to understand because it's a full, it's a full commitment. It's not just something external. Um, but there's a second way, um, which is uh, there's something. Um, the craniosacral system uh, is, is governed by something called cerebrospinal fluid, which is the fluid... Uh, that goes up and down inside your spinal cord and through your and bra- bathes your brain, so it's absolutely vital to your life. And it actually has a rhythm. Uh, you know, it, it has a, a flushing rhythm. And if you, when you train in craniosacral therapy, you learn to feel that flushing sense. So it's kind of like a wave building up and then a wave decreasing, a wave building up and a wave decreasing. So what I learned very early on is that I could use. Uh, that cranial rhythm to ask it questions. So I'll, I'll give you a simple example. I had somebody uh, coming in with uh, back pain uh, a few weeks ago, and my, my intuitive sense, I'm also an intuitive, so a lot of these things just 
come up for me pretty quickly. And by the way, I think intuition is a natural ability that we have far more intelligence than we usually allow ourselves to have. Mm. But at any rate, uh, because in, intuition is just the ability to perceive directly something that, you know, common sense would say, well, how can you know that? Like, I remember that very clearly when that first happened to me. I had a client come in, and um, I was treating him. This was many years ago. And I said to myself, why do I think he has a gallbladder issue? Because I wasn't treating gallbladder. You know, I didn't know anything about gallbladder issues. Kept on thinking, why, does he, why do I think he has a gallbladder issue? And finally, I, you know, the, the, the idea kept on pressing on me. So when he was coming for something totally different, and I mentioned to him, you know, have you had your gallbladder checked or do you have nausea? So it turned out he had regular nausea and blah, blah, blah. He went and had, he ended up having gallbladder surgery, okay? But I, so I remember that, and, um, and, uh, and I'll tell you a funny story. You know, I had on a totally different vein, Go ahead. somebody else coming to me, and I kept on thinking, I kept on noticing her forehead, which is where the, quote-unquote, the third eye is. Mm. And I, I was kind of just noticing, being drawn to that, and I started saying, why do I think her husband's having an affair, which was something we weren't talking about. Okay, and it turned out, you know, over time. Again, it's not something I raised, but it turned out over time her husband was having an affair. So, so you know, what I was getting was I was getting information that I didn't know how I was getting it. Right? Okay. So anyway, that's something that I learned to trust over time because actually intuition can be much more when you've really developed it can be much more informative than our left brain frontal lobe uh, thinking, which tends to doubt and criticize and want evidence for everything. But um, what, what uh, getting back to treating somebody uh, on the table, you can actually uh, have a conversation with what's called the craniosacral rhythm. So you can, just, just as a hypnotist says, you know, to the hypnotic subject when they're under, you know, you're going to say yes if you raise an index finger and no by raising a middle finger or some kind of messaging technique, you can make a deal, basically, with the craniosacral rhythm to say yes and no to questions that you ask subliminally. So I had somebody um, recently come in with back pain, and this happens to me all the time. You know, when people come in with a physical complaint that turns out to have a non-physical origin. Hmm. And uh, and, um, so... I was just feeling palpating her body, and I was thinking, you know, something, something funny going on here. So I started asking a series of questions. I said, is this to the body, subliminally, the person's just on the table lying there relaxing? And I started asking uh, questions like, is this, um, is this uh, a physical, a physically due, no answer? Is this emotionally due, an indefinite answer? Um, does this have something to do with work? Ding, you know, the craniosacral rhythm does what's called going into stop, going into a, uh, a, a what's called a significance director, but it basically said there's something here, okay? Now, you asked this I, out loud, but, like, are you trying no, to talk? all subliminally. Okay. All subliminally, because my goal is to get the person to see the issue, not for me to tell them, mm. right? Because if you tell people things, they may believe you or not, but they, to get... So, it, so as I, I did this all subliminally, and then it turned out... It was specific to some colleague who 
Uh, she was under some colleague who was inefficient, and she happened to be very efi- a very efficient, very goal-oriented worker, and it was irritating her, and she was having troubles with it, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so, you know, so I heard that it was a colleague, so... Uh, so I just asked, "Are you? Uh, do you have any issues at work?" And you know, just do you have any issues at work? And she said, "Yeah, I have a colleague that's, you know, really busting my chops, and I can't stand working with her because she just makes things worse rather than better." And then we talked a little bit more about it, and I just suggested, you know, uh, and how long has this been going on? And she said, "Oh, uh, you know." It's been going on like two months. And I went, and when did your back pain start? And she said, just, and it was a recurrence of something that she'd had years before, okay? And she said, about a month. And I said, well, you know, would you consider that maybe uh, maybe you um, need to speak up for yourself, you're ju- that uh, maybe you're doing what's called somatizing, bringing, you know, repressing a feeling that you feel you can't do anything about, and it's causing you, it's irritating your system. And she went back to work and uh, emailed me, you know, and she said she she thought with she thought out with me how she might address uh, this issue at work, and she did. It was basically about establishing better boundaries. Um, and she emailed me, you know, a week later and said, "My back pain's gone." Wow. So, okay. and did did this back pain for her? So she never had like as a, as I hear doctors say, like an ouch moment, right? Uh, she she had had this is somebody who had come to me years ago because of an accident so mm. so a lot of times what happens when you get whether it's physical pain or or gut pain or whatever it's like we all have our our, our weaker systems you know some people have a weaker heart some people have a weaker digest or or a system where you take your stress okay i have a friend who takes her stress in high blood pressure i don't my blood pressure has always been you know low as can be but my history has been taking my my uh, history. If, if I repress feelings that I need to deal with, they go into my back or into my connective tissue. Okay, um, and so she had had an injury many years ago, and it crops up now and again, very rarely, but now and again, uh, and usually. Um, she's a marathoner, so she really works her body. But, but usually, when it when it crops up, if it crops up and it doesn't seem to go away, it's usually related to something emotional. So it's her weak link. Uh, so people would say, "Oh, this is you know what she was going to do. She was going to go get an MRI and think she maybe she had to have another operation." I said, "No, no, no. Let's try this first. You go, you go st- set your boundaries. Okay, I did some manual work on her, but you go set your boundaries." And she's fine now. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. In, in, Ingrid Bacha, we're almost out of time. Yeah. Um, so you can uh, thank you for joining me today. And for those of you listening, you can find her at IngridBacci.com of all places. And that's B-A-C-C-I or email her at Ingrid at IngridBacci.com. Always good to keep it easy. Eh, Ingrid? Yes. Looking forward to our next conversation, Ross. Thank you so much for being with me. I uh, welcome you back at any time. And for all of you, thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Ross Morasso. Until next time. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. 
Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with your mouth full, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council.